The Equest community, welcome to this special series that we're doing with the leaders of the RIA aggregator and integrators. So these are the firms in the registered investment advisory industry that are doing what is now 91% of the deals, which are mainly these, uh, these private equity funded, larger RIAs that are looking to buy up and are buying up and doing many, many deals in the space. Uh, other RIA firms, whether they're independent or sometimes from IBD platforms or even you know doing some deals with wirehouse advisors. So we are fortunate enough to have some of the, the leading firms in the industry doing these deals. And we have them on in this special series so that people People who are interested in right advising the industry or potentially interested in selling their firms can understand the different models out there. Because one of the benefits of the evolution and the maturation of the RA space has been that there are more aggregators and integrators, there's more funding for these, there's more private equity. But as that happens, there also is more confusion as to all these different options out there. What are the different models? Why is one better than the other? Or what is the best fit for me? So the purpose of this series is to give the opportunity for each of these amazing firms to talk about their different models, talk about who they're looking to target, who they attract, you know, and 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 have you be in a better position as a potential seller to understand your options. And for those of you who are not in the RA space, it's also a fascinating, you know, I would listen anyway. It's a fascinating look at how the industry is involved and how an industry matures. And frankly, what the different acquisition models are that could be applied even in other industries. So check out all the videos in this special series on the RIA aggregator and integrators. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. Stan Greger is the CEO of Summit Financial LLC. With over 30 years' experience, Stan has operated in banking, private wealth management, investment management, fiduciary trust services, income, fixed income trading, investment banking, retirement services, insurance, financial planning, and public finance. He has also been involved in acquiring and integrating some of the largest and most complicated banking, wealth management, insurance, and capital markets businesses and cultures with a track record of increasing productivity, profitability, and shareholders' value. I mean, he's been, you know, prior to Summit, he was at Cannon Fitzgerald Wealth Management and Wells Fargo and Covia and you know all all these great firms he's led he's led them we met many many years ago back in his in his Canada days and I've had a great relationship with Stan over the years Stan I'm so happy to have you on the DealQuest podcast and the special series we're doing with the RIA incubators I mean aggregators and integrators welcome thank you Corey My pleasure to be on thank you awesome so listen I I want to get into Summit's model and all that stuff and have you let the listeners know, you know, what, what the opportunity is obviously on this series, we've been, you know, having various people on so that the great thing is that there's all these options out there and the, and then there's even more confusion because what's the difference between all these platforms that I know Summit has its particular value proposition and 
So I want to give you the opportunity to talk about that. But before we go there, I want to take you back to when you were a little kid growing up, because my guess is, what did you want to be? Because my guess is that being the CEO of these uh, various financial service institutions probably wasn't it when you were 8, 10, 12 years old, but uh, you tell me. Oh, wow. Well, great, great question. Well, I, I grew up in New York, New York City. Both my parents are from Europe, so I'm the first generation here in the U.S. And what I knew growing up is, uh, Corey, I, I did not want to be poor yet, <laughs> which we, we grew up with, you know, a, a very tight budget. It was not an easy upbringing. Both, both my parents worked. It, it, it was hard. It was, it was a hard upbringing. And, and I watched, watched my dad, especially he was in a restaurant business, you know, working multiple shifts just to pay for our school. And oddly enough, you know, we, we, we went to. We went to private school. So we, I went to a, a Catholic undergrad elementary school, then to a, an old boys high school. And, and that was, that was tough. And then going to college, I watched how they struggled to get us, get us through that. And, uh, I, I just knew I, I wanted to apply whatever I could from a skill set and, and do something where I could make them proud. I, I provide for my family. And, and frankly, how I got here was very odd. I, I decided that when I was in college, I was going to law school. Okay. And just a few weeks before graduation, I did a complete shift and I told my parents, I'm going to Wall Street. And my dad just held his forehead and said, oh my God, like, <laughs> well, how did that happen? And uh, you know, I, I started as a retail advisor and, you know, just the dialing, dialing phones and, and, and getting out there. And I, I loved the business. I, I loved the fact that you can help clients and you can change their lives. And working for some of the big national firms. I mean, I, I spent a decade at Citigroup. Yeah. And uh, you, know, you, you think about that culture and anybody that works for these big national firms, you're, you're almost brainwashed and bigger is better. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can beat anybody up and win business. And, you know, probably 25, 30 years into it, I said, wait a second, you know, I'm working for these big firms. It's not always the best way. You know, they're large, but so many bureaucratic conferences that you have and now we used to have meetings for meetings. Yeah. So, you know, going independent was, was, was really where I wanted to go. And I knew I wanted to be some kind of a, a business entrepreneur. I didn't know how Corey and what that looked like, but the, the, the upbringing of my parents, the, the working for the big companies, I, I wanted to somehow be, be a business owner to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And one other question, looking back, what was your first deal of any type? Could have been early in your career or something even earlier as a kid or something, whatever comes to mind that was a deal of any type. I, I, I think the first deal was winning my first piece of business when I was a commission advisor, mm. right? I mean, that was the real business deal. And, you know, you start off with a book at zero and you have 30 days to, to get a paycheck and in winning that first business, first piece of business was in my mind, wow, this is how it's done. And then you try to refine it over and over again, but that's probably the first deal that stands out. I, I remember the client view. I, I remember the transaction. I thought a hundred thousand dollars was a lot of money back then. And oh my God, I won a hundred thousand dollar account. Love it. I love it. Listen, you know, so, uh, you know, it's an interesting perspective, right? Coming up through the ranks, uh, so to speak, and all the different aspects of financial services that you've been in, because now you bring that to Summit Financial. And as I said, in the introduction, there's so many different models out there and the industry has matured significantly, the independent advisor industry over the last 15, 20 years, and certainly over the last five or 10, but it is far from, you know, mature. I think we had a long way to go, but the great thing about the different models is, as I said, is that there's a lot more options than they used to be, but uh, also some advisors are looking to 
sell or join, you know, or trying to figure out the differences. So talk to us a little bit about Summit's model. And I know you have a couple of different options for how people can affiliate. So right. let, let's talk about those at a basic level and then we'll get into more detail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for starters, Corey, it, it's complicated, right? I, I wish it was easy. And, and I think any advisor that's, that's listening to any of your podcasts or trying to make a decision, do I stay at a wirehouse? Do I leave? It's scary because there's a commercial everywhere, right? I mean, every firm is promoting what they do and, and they got the cure for cancer and all that good stuff, right? Right. You know, the, the model here at Summit, I mean, I stumbled on this place. My friends over at Merchants, we were looking at, at investing our personal capital into deals, just like some of your guests that you have. Yep. And, and Summit, Summit came along as a fluke of, hey, can you speak to it then and take a look at our model and, and what do you think we should be doing? And when I looked at the business model, I mean, th they've been around for 35 years. They built multiple businesses under one umbrella, right? A financial planning company, insurance company, investment management company. Uh, but what, what they lacked, which, which we see over and over, is access to real capital. Right, access to real capital, access to a fully integrated support mechanism, whether it's technology operations, being independent, right, has created this feeling of freedom for advisors. But you know, when you go independent, you realize, oh my God, I I, I have to be the cable repair guy, and I I have to I have to fix this on my own. I'm running HR, I'm running technology. It, it, it's not easy. So we made an investment, and I and I pretty much made a decision. Not only will we make an investment, I'll I will be here to run the company, protect our investment. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what we did. We spent the first four years completely shut, shutting down any kind of recruiting. We didn't want to recruit with the mindset of somebody joins and then they have to integrate and move. And we were deliberate. We wanted to make sure that if you are an advisor working at Summit or joining Summit, do you truly have the tools to be independent, control your business, run your business? Deliberate the level of experience to your clients that you want to deliver, yet yet have the the team behind you. Almost like that Verizon commercial where you know, the guy standing with a ton of people behind him. Yep. But we didn't want to get in the person's way. We we didn't want to say, here's the t-shirt you have to wear, here's the brand you need to have. That was not the model. So that that's the difference. The difference is it's it's I would say it's independence, but you're not. You're not alone. You're, you're fully supported. The other big piece, and really it's, it's why we made the, the investment. The biggest part was we realized that Summit is not just a, now it's a 40-year firm, but it's not just a firm, it, it's a partnership. And look, I, I spent a decade at Citigroup. I was part of B of A. I was part of Wells, Wachovia. You mentioned Canner, on and on and on. At every one of those firms, there was so much transition. You know, people would join and leave. Like they, the doors were always spinning. Yeah. And what what really intrigued me here is that so many of the advisors here have been here thirty five, almost forty years. Yeah. And unfortunately, when it comes to people leaving, it, it really is leaving this earth. I mean, most of the people that are no longer here, that 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 are I say attrition of the firm, most of them passed away, which is yeah. it's sad, but. I've never known to work for a firm where people just didn't leave. I mean, it, it didn't, it was foreign to me. So the partnership piece is, 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 it's hard to articulate because nobody believes you. Like, what the heck does that even mean? But the partners, they get together once a quarter, which is on their own. There's no management telling them you have, you have to do this. 
And they truly, they take two days out of their, their work week or their, their months really, you know, two days out and they just share ideas. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. Hey, I'm working on a large case. What do you all think? So they're kind of an advisory committee to each other. And that I found so different. And, and, you know, Corey, when I go back to advise and say, you've been here 25, 30 years, what stands out as being different? That usually is in a top two or three response that they come up with, like it's either number one, number two, or maybe number three. With the new folks coming in, they say, it's the same thing. Stan, you mentioned this, this happens here. I kind of brushed it off. And it's, it's really a value add. And we have our annual meeting in, in another three weeks. And we have a number of our newer teams that are here less than call it three years presenting at that offsite. And they're going to discuss really what they're doing different that people can learn from. But they're so excited to hear again what the other teams are doing. So it's the power, it's, it's that culture, it's the power to partnership. That's, that's really it. I mean, that, that's the biggest piece. Love it. Love it. So on the, so obviously I'm going to ask you some questions that I happen to know the answer to, but we want to make sure the audience knows. Yeah. So on the, so you alluded to this a little bit, so let's dig into a little more, you know, it's somewhat artificial distinctions we've been making, but we've been talking about the aggregators versus the integrators, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, I mean, the last episode before recording this that we released was, you know, was Mariner and uh, Marty Bicknell and, you know, and, and, and Mariner actually moved from a more aggregator model into a more integrator, one brand, one Mariner model. We've had others on who are much more in the aggregator side. And, you know, so what you've said so far is that was, is the support with the independents, right? So let's talk about some of the things, you know, that, that go into each side of that, right? You know, in terms of branding, in terms of ADV, in terms of, you know, what is consolidated decision-making, that kind of stuff, break it down a little more as to where the summit model falls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Marty, Marty's done a great job. Marty's a friend and I, and I follow him and, and, and I, I think what he's built is amazing. So just the hats off to what he's created as well. So what we, you know, a lot of times I start off with what don't we want to be right. And we, we don't want to be an aggregator. This is not a buy a piece of a business, throw somebody in, just scrape some, you know, profits, revenue. Well, that that's not the, I've, I've been, I guess, fortunate and, and also thrown into a lot of these large businesses, frankly, at a point in my life where, where I was younger, in many cases, being very honest, I was scared, you know, to the end of the earth, like, oh my God, I don't even know how to run a mortgage company much, but I know what a mortgage is, but I mean, the mortgage company reports to me and so forth. So I had all these businesses that you kind of learn, you know, by being thrown into them. And I, and I realized this thing that, that that kept happening over and over. People that are successful don't want to be told what to do, right? Mm-hmm. They, they want to be given the tools that they, that they feel they need, have access to them. And almost like going out to a restaurant where you pick what you want. You don't get jammed down your throat what, what you want. So so that's kind of the summit model. We We simplified the things that we know people really don't want to do, right? Having your own ADV versus not. Okay, I'd be more than happy to sit down with anybody. Tell me the value of, of I have to have my ADB and do everything on my own versus you could do everything on your own and don't even worry about that legal piece. Just, just operate. You can use your own brand, but operate it under the, the regulatory arm of a, a big parent company. And in many cases, you know, we have that discussion and the person goes, oh, I, I always thought I wanted to have my own ADV because people told me that. You can, but here's what goes with that. So. We definitely do not force a brand. I would say roughly 60% of our teams use the Summit brand. 
40 use, you know, their own brand. It's Dan Gregor group, right? But that's yeah. pretty, pretty synonymous. If you look at the Merrill, the Morgan and so forth, but it's Dan Gregor group and so forth. So we built an infrastructure for the advisors that's at, on 180B. All the tools, all the bells and whistles, like technology is, you know, we spent tens of millions of dollars on technology, getting that to integrate with the custodians and the performance reporting and the CRMs and uh, you name it. If I'm an advisor, I don't want to do that. Like I want to, I want to deal with my clients. I, and, and you know, the story, every technology company salesman tells you don't turn a fee until you get it and nothing's turned fee. Right. I use the analogy of, of it, it's almost like somebody tells you, Hey, you want to buy a Ferrari? Great. And then the UPS shows up at your house with 250 boxes. And you're like, what is that? <laughs> your Ferrari, go, go put it together. We didn't want to do that. So, so we've learned the hard way of what, what does an advisor truly want and need? And we built it. We built those services around them. So the technology, the clients, the HR operations, fully integrating those services. And then we put the people piece around it, right? We have an investment team, just like Marty has, right? He discussed that as well, right? We have an investment team that does the research. We have an investment team that helps you design cases and, and portfolio design. We have a team that actually manages money. Somebody at the firm, we have a team that manages billions of dollars on behalf of the advisor. Most of that is custom model, custom portfolio. We also have an insurance agency, which is almost 40 years old. It's, it's actually a massive agency that, that has been around for a long time. There, there are multiple options and advisors that can choose from. And then we built a servicing arm too on the insurance side, right? So in addition to having an agency, there's, there's a servicing arm that takes everything from the advisor off their plate. We'll go schedule the paramedical. We'll go fight with the underwriters about rating and whatnot. The advisor keeps himself out of that. So we'll even help you design the story or the pitch book for the client. If you need that team, will do that to collecting premiums. And then the culture of collaboration, I call the partnership culture, right? That's the people that, that, that all wraps it around. So I, I would say most advisors will tell you they are independent, which they are. Our ADB spells it out. We don't have contracts. We are locked in here. It, it actually, or if you read our ADB, it will state that we're telling the client, if your advisor chooses to leave, not only will, will we not block them, yeah. we will give them all your information, right? Unless you tell us in writing ahead of time, you don't want it. So what we say, we, we mean, this is not a, you bring a guy, a gal in, and then you like, you trick them on their way out. If people want to leave, they should have full freedom to, to do that. And it's, it's in our, in every one of our contracts, it's in our ADB, it's completely spelled out and at summit is not adding value, you shouldn't be here. You, you should, you really should go do something else. So, so, I, so um, I mean, I love that. So there are a lot of aspects of what are more of an integrator model, right? One, one ADV, all these support and services, et cetera. However, there's the ability to have differentiated branding. And also obviously people can go and come and go as, as they please. As you said before that, it seems like the only way people do go is in, is in a pine box, right? Or whatever, but, but, yeah. but they could, but they could leave. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's impressive that nobody is legally stuck there, right. On your core model, but they choose right. not to leave anyway, which is great. And then, you know, the other distinction, right. Is for example, at this point, and we just, we just happen to be using Mariner as a, as a contrast, but the, you know, we've talked about so many others, but just, just cause we've been using them right at this point, they, they do a hundred percent deals, right in terms of acquiring everything. Summit's model is different in terms of who can be on the platform, right? 
and how much equity you may or may not take in, in a firm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So again, it's, it's the flexibility feature. We, we do, we're working right now on four or five firms where we are buying hundred percent. Okay. Yep. So, so most, most of the teams that we see, Corey, are somebody's coming in, they built a successful practice. I will hear one of two things. I will hear, I'm frustrated where I'm at, whether I'm independent or I'm working for the big bulge bracket firms. I don't, I don't have, Stan, I don't have the capital to do what's really, you know, what I know I need to do. I can't, I can't acquire the guy down the road because, and I know he's retiring. I'd love to buy his, so I need money. I need capital and not just, so I need the capital, but then I need the support. How do I hit the assets here? How do I do the transition? How do I service that book? And also capital, I, I, I don't intend to run the whole thing myself then. So I have to bring on a team and th there's a lot. So the, the financial piece is usually a big stumbling block. Okay. So that piece we saw. Right. We, we, we can do a piece. And most of those folks that come, come to us are saying, I don't want to cash out today. Right. I, I, I want to be here for the long term. And the model here again is unique. When, when myself and the, and the merchant guys discussed, how do we create this model? I, I will give you exactly the conversation we had. It was, it was a week before Christmas. We were sitting in New York City. It was a cold, snowy day. Right. Which is not unusual. And I was with Tim Bello, Mark Stoker, Scott Prince, myself, and, and, and Mark said, you know, for this next chapter, let's create a company that we build it as if we're building it for our kids. Mm -hmm. And that sounds a very common, common theme. Okay, great. Yep. What does that look like? And when we started looking at, okay, we have the access to our, our personal capital, which is how we've been funding these deals, right? You know, we started having this discussion and the conversation sounded something like this. Hey, Stan. You, you have two kids, right? You have two sons. Would you tell you one of your sons, either one of the sons to sell their business today to dad, right? They're 30 years old, right? Would you say sell it today, knowing they're going to work their tail off for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. And then dad does some kind of monetization. Dad makes all the money and you, hey, son, you know, good, got a, got a boy. Thank you for selling dad the business or would you do, which is our model where you sell a minority piece, which just gets you kind of in the game. So you, you have skin in the game, you have, you have access to the partnership, you have access to all those services and when, and if, and only at that time, when, and if there is monetization at that point, you sell whatever percent you want to sell to the IPO company or however we monetize. To me, it's a big difference, right? I didn't want to do the first thing. I would never do that to my children. And if, if I would never do it to them, why would I do it to a partner? It, it, yeah. it, it's, it kind of goes against the philosophy. So, so, you know, you, you mentioned minority versus whole business. If, if somebody is of the mindset, they, they really want to grow and be there for long-term, I encourage them to sell the least amount you can and go, go grow the heck out of it. Use the summit resources to your fullest capacity. And when that time happens. And, and, and not until a time, you're going to keep your business, right? At that time, you decide what you want to sell. You want to sell 10, 20, 40, whatever that number is. That's your call. That, that's one side of the spectrum. Yep. The other side, which seems, I don't know if, we, if it's because of COVID, but in the last, I would say 12 months, we've seen a lot more come to us, which is, hey, I want to tap out in two years, Dan. I, I, I really want to. Two, three years, I want to tap out of this business. I want to buy the whole business. So what happened those conversations? And with those conversations, it's either a, a G2 person that, that is with that 
firm being sold or we're acquiring, yep. or it's somebody within Summit that would love, I mean, we have guys raising their hand every week. Hey, where's, where's the next deal that you're working on? We'd love to be part of it. So yep. it's really a balance. I didn't expect the second piece, which is full acquisition to become part of our model, but it's, it's kind of landing in our lap. And as I said, we have, we have a number of them in this, in this pipeline right now that we're probably going to move forward with. That's great. So you mentioned G2, and that's a conversation I've had with the other CEOs, you know, the, of the various integrators and aggregators, because, you know, G2, G3 always raise some interesting opportunities and also sometimes some challenges, right? You know, you got senior guy, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got a G2, they may, you know, at different stages of life, maybe looking for different things. One senior guy or gal may be looking to more, more to cash out sooner or the others have a growth opportunity. So, you know, you've already said, I mean, obviously a, a model in which you don't have to buy everything, right? Where you're only buying a piece gives the, you know, the one of the advantages gives a, that G2 the opportunity to continue to grow. Talk a little bit about, you know, I'm sure you come across, I mean, everybody in the industry comes across these situations. And then it sometimes is complicated by the fact that sometimes G2 controls more of the business than they've been equitized on. And that becomes interesting. So talk about how Summit makes it attractive for, for G2 and how you get by some of those differing interests between the founders, maybe, and then second and third generation. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. I would say of our, of our founding members, a quarter of them have G2, which are their children in a business. And there, there's a little bit of a dilemma there of, hey, Stan, I, I want to step out of here at some point. My son can't afford to buy me out, right? How do I do this, right? And I don't want it. I don't want to sell to him at the same multiple that this is truly worth. So this has been coming up as, as a great opportunity where, where we get to basically take a minority stake in that business. We give the dad really what, what is a more than a fair multiple. Plus he gets to participate in something that may or may not happen in the future. And, and the son gets to run the business without strapping the sun with what I call the student loan acquisition model, right? right Where right. you're just, you're just paying the, the buyer back. So th- that's critical. There's also a number of situations where we've been speaking to, it's not the family. It, it's a, it's truly a GP person that's been a loyal soldier, right? Been with that firm, doesn't have the resources, doesn't have, does not have the capital to do that. So in some cases, we will make the act, we will make a, a, an investment in the, in the, the seller to some degree, but we also finance something for that G2 person that, that can't afford to do it. And we just, that's really a, a deal. Our model has not been, let's make money in the financing. Our model has been, let's have, let's have people grow. Yeah. And, and you and I have had this discussion. Look, I, I spent, you know, the first two decades of my life working for the bulk bracket firms where we made the bulk of our money on just scraping, you know, nick, it's a nickel and dime concept, right? I, I, I hate that. And most advisors hate that. Just treat me fairly. Tell me what something costs. If it costs 5%, okay, I pay 5%, but stop with the nickel and dime stuff. Yeah. So we, we built a model around that to keep it simple. Financing is one of those examples, right? I mean, we are investing in the G2 person to grow. We're not making an investment so we can double and triple our, you know, lending facility that that's not the model we we want to see that g person g2 person really grow the business organically and and that's well that's what our focus is love it let's take a break from the show for a minute so i can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness i created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are 
Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. So let's talk about the funding a little more. You mentioned Merchant several times, and obviously we we know them well, and some of your own capital. Has that been the source of funding for for Summit, or have there been other funding? And also go, looking forward, you mentioned maybe IPOs. You know, so obviously what's happening in this industry with the integrators and aggregators is that they're taking on capital partners, right? Private equity has come into the space. We've never had that kind of money before, certainly last decade and last five years has really taken off. So what's your, been your funding strategy so far and how do you see it going in the future? And then what is the, I mean, is, is IPO the, the desired exit? Do you have a plan for that? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, gr- great question. So, so right now, 100% of our financing is our own personal capital. Okay, so so we we do not have any private equity. We do not have any pro, any any loans from any kind of banks or anything like that. Hundred percent of the acquisitions has has happened by by the partners. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a unique situation because I'm conflicted, right? I'm I'm, I'm a shareholder of Summit. I'm a shareholder of Merchant Capital, which is the one of the funding arm. I'm a shareholder of Merchant, so I'm I'm, I'm in all of those. But for larger transactions, we're leveraging the Merchant ecosystem. So when there is a capital call, I'm, I'm, I'm also stroking a check for that as well. Within the Summit ecosystem, I mean, we, we try to run a smart company. We keep a, a pretty decent chunk of cash in the balance sheet. We, you know, we don't swing for the fences for home run. And it's, you know, 40 years of being in business is not luck, right? It, it, they, the partners have done it, I think, smart way. I think between myself and what Merchant brought to the table, I think we fortified them that there's going to be another 40, 50 years, probably, right? Hopefully, right? That the company's around and growing. So we're just not, you know, I, I guess from the merchant side and my side, we're not fans of what you've seen in the marketplace. It's just putting a ton of, of high debt out there and, and, or even like a private equity player with it's a gun to your head, you have to flip this thing in three to five years. That's not the model. Yep. The model is at some point we will look for some kind of monetization, whether it's an IPO or something along those lines. What I can assure you is that there's not one partner here that would ever want to go back to work for a big firm again. So a monetization will never look with selling to, you know, a B of A or a goal. That, that's not going to happen in this, in this model. I mean, we, nobody would just leave. I mean, I, mean, I, I would stay there and neither would anybody else. Right. But, but there is a focus on continue to give the partners resources to grow. And then when there's an opportunity, an opportunity for some form of monetization, and, I, and I'm not talking about you just tap out, right? I'm referring to something where you continue to build your network by growing your business, having equity in a much bigger global national business. And you're basically, a, it, it's an equity swap, right? But it creates enormous network potential liquidity if you need it or borrowing or, or whatever, however you want to structure it. But it, it opens up the ability to increase your, your bandwidth, your network, your life's work and, and not having to sell your whole business by, by doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little more specifically. So we talked about Summit taking from minority to, you know, whole acquisitions. And well, I want to talk about who the target is, but let's say, let's say it's an independent firm or whatever practice from, comes from somewhere else. But is there also an equity class in Summit that these advisors have access to, 
to participate in that future value? Yeah. So the, the answer to that question is, is no. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why, right? There are so many stories out there where, as you, have, as you and I both know, right? The, the deal is comprised of cash and equity. And most of the time, the equity is probably not, not worth the paper it's written on because of all the reasons we know it's out there. We didn't want to do that. L model is structured where you get a cash payment, right? And you get, you get that. It's not some kind of, you know, over 20 years, you, you get, you get that up front. And if you choose to have equity, you would have equity only in the entity that's making the acquisition. So there's no leases, there's no people, there's no phantom accounting. It, it, it is purely it, the equities in a business that's acquiring, acquiring the business. So that's called some of growth partners. That's been a huge success. We've paid a dividend out in the first quarter. It continues to pay dividends. As you can imagine, there are, there are very little expenses other than some kind of a annual auditing on the, on the accounting side. And to me, that's real equity. That, that you're buying, you know, if you're selling something and you're getting real cash flow, you know what that number is. Buying into a, a major company like Summit that has offices around the country, has several hundred people, you know, leases and, and that there's, there's no control that the person buying that has no control, just like, you know, buying any other, you know, equity stack. So that's the difference in our model, Corey. Most, if not all of our people have elected to take both, take a piece of the micro partners and take a piece of cash, but just like Marty's model, it's, it's, it's up to you, right? You, you can structure the way you wish to structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, I want to bring that out because I think it is something that distinguishes Summit is the Summit Growth Partners option, you know, because listen, there are many of the other competitors out there that you have that are selling people, you know, and they want them to take 20 or 30% of purchase price inequity in the big, in, in the whole operation. And there are arguments for that. There are arguments against that. But the big thing about the series is to really be able to show the differences to people. And clearly Summit has a clear philosophy on that and why you do it that way. And what I always say to my clients who are buyers at the rung below the big boys like you, is is having a clear value proposition with a clear model and a clear structure and clear strategy that you can articulate is great because not only does it attract the people who are attracted to that, but it actually repels the people who are not interested in that. And then you don't waste time on them. So I think Summit Growth Partners is a different value proposition. So getting into that, the value proposition and who you target, right? There are some of the other folks out there we've talked to that target only independent firms buying independent firms. There are others who will take people off and teams off of, you know, IBD platforms. There are some that stay away from the wirehouses, some that do wirehouse deals. Just to make it clear for folks, you know, who, who on that spectrum are you attracting? And then I think you explained most of the value proposition, but if there's anything else around the value proposition to each of those groups, you know, please feel free to share. Yeah. 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 It's a great question. So what we're seeing right now is almost a 50-50 split between folks that already have their own RIA and all the reasons that you and I know from frustration to, I don't want to run a business. I want to run my client, my, my client practice that, that approach yep. to the other 50% is folks that have spent their career at the big bulge bracket firms and just had it like, you know, enough's enough. How many checking accounts do we have to sell before my comp gets cut again? I don't sell checking accounts alone. So it, it, it's that frustration. I want to make sure I'm clear on the, on the first piece, the folks that do have an RIA, we, we have several investments where they retain their ADV, right? So this is not a, you have to join Summit's ADV. 
if it comes from a warehouse, why you'd want to have your own ADV, I don't know. I mean, I'll send them to you. You can tell the good, <laughs> the good reasons why not to, but that's most of the folks that leave the big bulge bracket firms are joining Summit's ADV. The folks that already have their own ADV set up, I'm not here to say what they're doing is wrong or right. I'm, I'm just, I want to empower them. If they feel it's in their best interest to retain their existing ADB, I'm not here to fire the people. It's in their company, right? We just want to give them the resources and the tools to grow. So we have several investments that are in right. I mean, several billion dollars of AUM actually, that, that is not on our ADB, right? That, that those firms retain their own company. They have their own brand. And you probably wouldn't even know we're involved because we have a minority state. So there's no disclosure on that. You know, when you look at the capital that's put out there, there's been several hundred million dollars of our, of our capital, right? Between Summit Merchant and all that, that's, that's been used to make those acquisitions. We just, we're just not out there in the press every single day talking about it, but the model gives you flexibility. So if, if you want to have a turnkey model where you come in, the firm does all the compliance, all the stuff that. Nobody loves to do that I know of as an advisor, and you can leverage the resources of servicing and clients, then you're on Summit's ADV. Okay. If you already have a firm that has people and processes and you don't want to do it, we, we keep that in place. And we really, it's kind of that menu example I, I cited earlier. You pick and choose what you need from us. Sometimes it's capital, sometimes it's financial planning, sometimes it's our attorney, sometimes it's the investment management, sometimes it's technology. It's, it's, it's your choice, right? So it, it's a model of, of flexibility and it, and it needs to make sense. It's just not a cram down. This is absolutely not a one size fits all. And it, it's our way to highway. You have to meet people where they're at, Corey. Yeah. And I, and I think that's something that is really such a big part of someone's value prop and, and different from some of the other firms out there is that you really do. I mean, again, our ADV, your ADV, right? Our brand, your brand. Our, you know, there's many services. You can take all, some, and none. We can we can buy in a minority or 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 do a full buyout. You know, you can participate in some of the growth partners or not, right? I mean, right. the level of flexibility and you know in your model, I think, is something that really does distinguish you and gives people some you know optionality, and they're not you know so you know it could appeal to a broader range of folks like that. So that's that's great. All right, there's one one other sort of chunk I want to cover before we come to the final two questions. And that's around what you're seeing in the in the industry, in the market. Obviously, we had a good 10, 12 years, you know, a run on the on the on you know on the bull market. Everybody looked like a genius, you know, to some extent. Uh, although, you know, anybody who's got to the underlying metrics found that a lot of these firms that were growing because the market was going up, their real organic growth was a lot less. But you know how it is. I mean, a bull market can hide a lot of lot of sins and and you know, there's a lot of lot of tailwinds for a long time. Now, I mean, I've said it before. My listeners know. I mean, I think I think the certainly the, the the medium to long term trends in this industry are so positive, just because of demographics, because of the growth of the independent space, because of the fact that no matter how much consolidation there has been, there's more right. <laughs> new advisors coming right. into the space, leaving the warehouses and whatever. But we do have some short term headwinds potentially, right? Interest rates higher, cost of capital higher, inflation. Although it's starting to come down, the markets have been I mean, lately maybe a little better, but shaky. What are you seeing in terms of the markets and particularly its effect on deal flow? Are you seeing a, an impact on volume of opportunities? Are you seeing deal structures change, valuations change? What are you seeing out there? Great question. I'll, I'll start off by saying it, it, having been in this space for quite a while, right? It's never as good as you think it is. And it's never as bad as you hear. It's, right, it, it's right. somewhere in the middle. 
That's right. The, this, this whole downturn, right? I, I, I think, not I think, we, we know a quote, everybody by surprise, right? And, and now you look back and say, oh man, you know, the Fed said they were going to start tightening. What were we doing? What were we thinking, right? Because we were living on, as you said, 15, 12 to 15 years of pick a stock, it goes out. You know, if it doesn't go up this month, it'll go up next month and triple. This is where I think, you know, this is where you separate the average from the, the exceptional, right? Yeah. Most, most people that, that watch CNBC and watch the news are just, I hate to use that name, the fake news, right? You know, you just get sucked into the flavor of the day. And if you do that, you go, you're going to miss something. You know, good up, up or down. Have, having the resources around you, whether it's you know subscribing to great services or having having a great internal team, I think is critical during this time because the average guy is just going to give the king of speech. You know, stay, stick in there for long term. You know, don't trade stocks and all that stuff. I, I I think if you have the resources around you and you know the our financial planning group as a great example. I mean, that, that's a heavy seven figures a year that we pay. You know, we we don't charge. We don't show the advisor for those fees, but we're just picking it up as a service to help them. But that's winning business for them every day, mm-hmm. right? Everything from from the Secure Act to a lot of these new things that were recently announced. If if you're a retail advisor that's just watching the tube and watching, you know, the market go, you go to miss that. Yeah. So, I think if 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 you really want to organically set yourself apart. You got to find a way to separate from the noise and, and focus on on the opportunity. One is the right thing for you as as a business leader, but two is also the right thing for the client. Don't don't fall into the propaganda what everybody else is, is, is you know. But it's right. Everybody else catches on. It's really you miss the big big piece. Sure, that's my paid commercial on on you know try to be focused and stay ahead. We do that as a firm. We we try to give advisors every week you know some tidbits of hey. Here's what happened last week. You know, you mentioned inflation coming down, CPI coming down, non-farm payrolls, all that. Okay, that's that's good headline risk, but we, we try to look at the trends. So what does this truly mean? And you know, by the time everybody sees it, it it's it's already it's already baked in there. Now, the second question was on on deal flow. Yeah. We're seeing a combination of two. We're seeing a a a, a bit of a oh my god, are the best days behind me, right? That that kind of thinking. And we're also seeing, well, I heard so-and-so got a multiple of X last year and, you know, why is it, well, business is down 20%. You're not going to get the same, same numbers, but we are, we are, believe it or not, seeing more and more people realizing I really shouldn't be doing this alone. I, I really should be doing it with, with, with a, a, you know, a, a team, a partnership or whatever, something that can help me get to that next level, whether it's summit or Mariner or sanctuary. I, I don't know. That's up to the advisor to choose from, but you need the resources to make a difference. I, I, I don't think what the next 12 to 15 years are going to be like the previous 15 years. I mean, you, you're going to have to be surgical about decisions you make. You're going to have to stand out above and different from the competition. And the folks that do that, I think are going to just do a point, just explode on the upside and do great. And then you'll have people that kind of survive, which, you know, those are the complainers, like, you know, life's not never great, but the guys and gals that are just doing that surgical approach, like, like viewing it as an opportunity to differentiate yourself, I think they will do great. Yeah. They, they will ton it. Awesome. 
But before I ask you my final question, where can people find out more about the summit? Paid commercial. Thank you, Corey. Well, summitfinancial.com. So summit's based out of, out of New Jersey or simply New Jersey. Anybody that's listening is free to call myself. Ed Friedman is our head of business development. You can call Ed, known Ed, obviously. Corey, you and I have known Ed for a number of years as well. Yeah. But we'd, we'd love to speak with anybody who has an interest and hope, who knows, maybe, maybe we can do some together. Excellent. Excellent. So Stan, the final question that I always ask on the podcast is about my highest value in life, which is freedom. And for me, that means everything from freedom around the world, from all people from oppression to the, the reason I haven't had a boss in decades and been an entrepreneur. What does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business? You know, a, a lot of the same things you just mentioned, right? So we've all made a decision. Anybody's gone independence made a decision. When they look in the mirror, the boss is the guy in the mirror, right? So that, that's a big piece. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you feel like the person you see in the mirror. Right? Sure. But it, it is the freedom, right? I mean, I, I, I've been blessed with working for these big multinational firms. And, it, it, you know, if I add up all the money my groups have generated for the firms, it's been the billions of dollars of profits. And myself, I, I didn't make billions of those firms. People that work with me didn't make billions. The firm made all, all that money. Being, being on your own and being independent, having your firm, you get to benefit from the upside. You also get to have to deal with the downside, but you set your culture, you, you set the way you want to run your business. I, you know, speaking of someone, I, I can't be more proud of the way the organization has been run for the previous 35 years to be getting here. The way the team rallies around people today is a, in a culture of caring that I see in this type of world that you and I are in versus in the past, you know, and I'll, listen, I'll give you the experience. I'll give you stories. I've seen people have heart attacks, drop dead at their desk and you know, they're giving out the book and, you know, within a few minutes and you're giving us stock, you know, client pages. I mean, there was just no, no caring. It just, nobody cared about you. You, you were just a unit of production and when the second your production stopped, it didn't matter. So this is a more humane way of, of being on this earth. If you're going to be in business, do it in something that you can control and enjoy and get the rewards for, get the rewards, not just financially, but what your business looks like. And one day and when it comes time to that, you want to step away and sell or monetize, you had that option. You make that call. Yeah. Yeah. Stan Gregor, thanks for being such a great guest on the Deal Quest podcast. Oh, Corey, thank you. Thank you. Have a great 2023, man. Yeah, you too. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.